Hello, hello. Thank you for joining me today. This is the Spicy Pecan Podcast. Have you ever had a dream that that you um you had you 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 could you do you you want you you could do so you you do you could. We are back again. Why do I say we? Like, there's a whole team behind me. That's a little bit of a bad habit. Thank you for joining me. So, lot going on and nothing going on at all. Um, one of the first things I wanted to talk about was the reopening. So, a lot of states are, you know, beginning to restart the economy and get us back to work. Please do not be confused that that somehow means that the coronavirus is no longer alive and well, because it is. And really my question to you is, what has changed? What has changed from today, from the day that you were told to quarantine? More cases. So trust and believe that this is not over. It is extremely important to still be vigilant. Um, As you can see in the news, Dr. Fauci himself, as he is telling us to get back to work and possibly reopen schools, he is doing his um, news conferences from home. I don't know if anyone's noticed, but where's Trump? Trump is MIA. You know why? Because the virus has somehow trickled into the White House and into his um, close staff, his security. So I get it. I get why people think that just because they tell you that the barbershops are open and the beauty salons are open, that somehow everything's okay. No, no, it's not. It's not. And if anyone's telling you something different, they're wrong. So in good conscience, I cannot sit here and make it seem like this is not the exact same virus that it was when we first heard about it, an invisible killer, okay? And while you have Congress and senators and all these people talking about opening up our doors and go back to work and we need to jumpstart the economy, make sure that you're looking at where they are when they're telling you to do this. Because I guarantee you, they're not giving the same advice to their family, their friends. They're not. So please, do not be confused. You know, Cuomo actually, he kind of said it best. I was watching the news conference today, today being uh, May 12th. Cuomo was saying, he was talking about the importance of wearing a mask. It is very important to wear a mask. Stop thinking of it as something that's, not cool or I don't need it or whatever. No, a mask says that I respect you. And you wearing your mask says that you respect me. It says that you respect the fact that I can infect other people, my family and friends, that you can infect other people, I can infect you. The mask says that I respect healthcare workers because they are putting their lives on the line. So I am not going to be a part of spreading something that I can easily prevent. And I'm really, really sick of people saying, I don't have it. Have you taken a test? Because you don't know if you have it or don't have it, if you have not been tested. These are just regular, regular things. But as I drive around, I see people so cavalierly walking around as if there is nothing going on. We cannot do this. Please, if I'm the only person that is telling you this, listen, listen. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it if it wasn't true, okay? And it's just it's so disheartening to see people just really be so cavalier about this. People getting to arguments with folks at grocery stores and Walmarts because you're being told to wear a mask. I mean, the fact that the government actually had to mandate the fact that people needed to wear masks blows my mind. Why do you need the government to tell you to protect yourself? If you look at any of your favorite celebrities, where are they at? 
They're home. You know why? Because they actually value their lives. Oprah went on a whole rant about how she would not let one of her family members enter her house. Mind you, Oprah has a compound. She would not let a family member enter her house because this is the reality of what we're dealing with. Just because you know someone doesn't mean anything. Please respect yourself the same way the president and Fauci and everyone else respects themselves. Well, not so much the president. I, I mean, actually, I can even understand why people are confused because when you have a leader who refuses to wear a mask, refuses to have the people around him wear a mask, yeah, I can see where people will get confused and think, eh, you know what? Maybe this is a hoax. Maybe this does have to do with 5G. Maybe this does have to do with something other than what it actually is, which is an invisible killer that can kill you or someone that you care about. And I do not want people to wait until it's a neighbor or a family member or a best friend for you to get it. Value your life, please. And if you don't value your life, value the life of the essential workers. Don't give people a hard time. You know, people are going to work scared as hell right now. People are forced to go to work. People that work at like Walmart and grocery stores, you think all those people feel comfortable going to work then to have you come in giving them a hard time? Because they're telling you to protect themselves, which i.e. protects them. Come on. So, obviously, you know, I have to talk about the Ahmaud Arbery story. Um, Just, it's so incredible. It is so incredible. I'm tired. I know everybody else is tired. The one thing that I have seen that has at least given me some hope is outrage from people that do not look like Ahmad. That is progress to me because you cannot get anywhere in these type of, with these type of subjects where we're talking about racism, we're talking about tensions, you cannot get anywhere without people on the other side, people who it doesn't really affect to care. And I have seen a lot of outrage. That is progress to me. On the other hand, we have also seen where people are just completely ignorant. D.L. Hughley actually mentioned it. He said, black people are the only people who are blamed for their own murders. And in this case, we can kind of see that happening on the news. He was in the house. He was doing this. I don't care if he lit the house on fire. I don't care if he robbed the house. Day in court. That is what the justice system is for. You don't get to hunt people down and be judge and jury. You don't get to do that at all. If this was even remotely the other way, there's no way that these guys would have stayed a, a minute in their house after it happened. We all know the details of the case. We really need to use this again as a learning tool. Ahmad is the name we know about. This is happening all the time, all the time. It's not an isolated case. At all. If you think that it is, you are living under a rock. Why do you think thousands of black people get together and say black lives matter and our lives, our lives matter? Don't kill us. They're not doing that because they don't have better things to do. They're doing it because this happens all of the time on smaller scales and on the extreme scale where someone actually gets killed. But even on the smaller scale, it's happening all the time. All these little incidents of what are you doing in this neighborhood? If you look at someone and you say to yourself, what are you doing in this neighborhood? Something is wrong there. Something is wrong there. That is a problem. 
listen, we can go on and on about this. I mean, if we actually even talk about the history of lynching, we're not so far removed from that time. I mean, just 1860 to 1960, thousands of people were lynched. Thousands. Eight or 1960. That was not that long ago. We are dealing with these issues every day. So if you are someone of the other race and you have thought to yourself, I wish people would just get over it. I wish people would stop talking about racism. If you get over it, then it'll go away. That's not the case. That is not the case. Rest in peace to Ahmad. Rest in peace to all of the people that we have lost in the last couple of days. Um, Little Richard, I lost my great-grandmother about a week and a half ago on my mother's side. Um, Just rest in peace to everyone. Um, We're losing a lot of people, guys. A lot of people. Wake up. On a lighter note, Erica Badu and Jill Scott, did anybody see the verses? Oh my gosh, we needed it so bad. And you know what? I'm not even a fan of Jill Scott. I feel like she sings about food too much. Grits, cheese, eggs. I like her. I like her acting. But I just, I could never get with her music. Erica Badu, I've always loved her. Love the style, love everything about her. Um, but I have to say that verse has definitely opened my eyes up a lot more to Jill's music. So if you haven't watched it, it's about two and a half hours long, three hours long. Feel good the entire way through. If you are a fan of R&B, if you are a fan of, of sisterly love, it was fantastic. And it was so, so needed. So thank you so much, ladies. Like we really, really needed that. And then we obviously just had Mother's Day this past weekend. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. My mom was actually set to be on the show, um, but she wasn't feeling too good. So we're going to give her a pass this time and just make sure that she is on um, another time. But I wanted to tell a story in honor of my mom. Uh, As a lot of people, you know, may know. Um, I'm, I'm gay. I'm a lesbian. And when I came out to my mom, I did not know what to expect. In fact, I didn't even plan on coming out. Um, I hadn't said anything to anyone and it just came out. I was having a conversation with my mom. I remember it like it was yesterday. I was looking outside of a window in my apartment in North Jersey when I was still attending Fairleigh Dickinson University. And me and my mom were talking about um, someone that I had dated in the past. And I said, you know, mom, people say that he's gay. And I just started bawling. And my mom is like, what's wrong, Nina? What's going on? And I said, mom, I think I'm gay. No, I know I'm gay literally just like that and there was a long pause I didn't hear crying I didn't hear a peep and then her first response to me was I love you and we will find her together that is the woman that I come from mom I love you dearly we fight like cats and dogs but we love each other just as hard I was going through a really really hard time this week um you know we're all going through our things this this situation has really you know reared its ugly head and in ways in our lives that you know I wasn't expecting but anyway I was having a really really hard week and I had to remind myself my mom was a single parent raising two children pretty much on her own. There were times where she had to take three buses to get us to to daycare and to school and then for her to go to work just to turn around and take another three buses to get us all home. 
I mean, just the incredible strength that she showed at such a young age. I, I can't even imagine. And I just had to remind myself, Nina, you come from stock. You come from very strong stock on both sides of your family. Very strong men and women who have dealt with the craziest of life um, trials. Addiction, abuse, the criminal justice system. So many different things that my family has endured and we still stand strong today. And we are a very close family. So with that being said, today we are actually going to be interviewing a genealogist, Shamel Jordan. We're very, very lucky to have her. She is fantastic in the work that she does. And she is a brilliant speaker, wealth of knowledge. I am so excited that she decided to do the show. Um, I was actually a little nervous. Very cool to have her. But I just wanted to share that about my family because in what Shamel does in genealogy, understanding where you come from, understanding your roots can give you such an enormous wealth of strength, like a reserve that you keep inside yourself that you can tap into at any moment. When it was hard for me this week, and I'm telling you, yesterday was very hard, very hard. I literally had to remind myself, Nina, you come from the people that survive. There is nothing, nothing that can stop you. So I hope you enjoy the interview. Now seems like the perfect time for a commercial break. If the coronavirus has done anything at all for a lot of us, it's made us realize that we are financially unprepared. Now is the time where you should be sitting down and figuring out how am I going to ensure that my family never goes through anything like this again. If you are reliant on an unemployment check, if you are reliant on funds that are coming from outside of yourself, we don't know when that money's gonna dry up. We don't know how long that's gonna sustain us. Never, never allow anyone to determine your family's financial future. Now is the time to begin planning on your future and how you can make sure that you are set up for success. Contact the show to be connected with a licensed professional in your state to discuss all of your options. Shamel, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so lucky to have you. Super excited to have you on the show. Um, I, of course, know who you are, but just for anyone who doesn't, can you just briefly go over your background and how you were called to genealogy? Sure. Um, so I consider myself a genealogist. Um, I'm a producer, a producer of it the award-winning technology yeah. quick start um, produced at Philly Cam um, in Philadelphia. And I'm also um, a um, technology consultant. And the way I got into genealogy is through family, through my cousin. My cousin Floyd uh, started doing genealogy and it really piqued my interest. Okay. All right. So, um, just talk to me about those initial stages of you jumping in. Did you just kind of help him on projects that he was working on or maybe your own personal family tree or how'd you like really jump in? So he would go down South and he would come back, like he'd go to Georgia and, you know, cause back then, you know, they couldn't get on the internet. Um, and the, this was right after roots. So when Alex Haley's roots came out, it really sparked genealogy in this country and throughout the world. Like that is the pivotal kind of what made genealogy popular. They say number two popularity to porn online. I don't know if that's <laughs> but he was like a lot of others and he helped to start a genealogy group here in Philadelphia called the African-American Genealogy Group. And I started hanging out with them. I would go on trips with him, like you said, from time to time. And eventually in 2003, 
uh, when the 1930 census was made available, that's when I started my own body of research and I was hooked. Awesome. <laughs> so um, in your experience, what have been kind of like maybe top two or three reasons why people come to you to begin their search? Well, people, well, Ancestry.com has proven that, you know, the majority of people are interested in knowing what their ethnicity is, you know, what made me up, like what came together to make me, you know, we all want to know that. Um, a genealogist or um, most people who will hire a genealogist have specific questions. Um, they, um, African-Americans in general, because of slavery, they want to know who the slave owner was. Um, other people might have specific family stories that they want to prove or disprove. Uh, people who are uh, from Europe, they want to know where did I come from in Europe? Which city did I come from? A lot of people don't know that. They just know a country. We think everybody knows what city they came from. They don't know. There's a guy who's like one of the, he's a top researcher in a specific ethnicity. He still does not know which town specifically his ancestors came from. Wow. Wow. So are there then that kind of prompts me, are there any challenges to finding the background for specific ethnicities? So yeah, every group, just like in like every group has their challenges. For African-Americans who were enslaved, it's slavery um, because we were not considered people. Um, so we were, when we were referenced, um, we could have been just referenced by age group. You know, I have three uh, Af black women between the ages of 18 and 23 or something, or just by first name. Uh, like I said, people who come from Europe or outside the United States who immigrated, they might not know the specific um, ship that their ancestors came over on. They might not know the specific um, country. Adoptees, there's people out there who were adopted and they don't know their parents at all. So DNA and genealogy research really, really, really helps there. So everyone has their, oh, native people looking for like whether they have Native American ancestry. So genealogy helps there too. Yeah, I mean, just as a little tidbit in my research, I was um, seeing that just in the past couple of days, actually a murder was solved um, by utilizing some of the principles that exactly what you were doing when I searched genealogy in the news, a whole bunch of articles popped up about how helpful this information has been in ways that we couldn't even, you know, couldn't even imagine. Um, so that's, that's one of the reasons why I, I've been fascinated by it. I definitely want to search my family um, history just because we don't have a lot of those passed down stories. At least they haven't been passed down to me, you know, um, so very cool. What have you, what have you learned or uncovered about yourself in, in doing this work? Like, how has your perception changed? So, um, I think that, um, so what has changed for me or what I've learned about myself is that, um, I believe that it's helped me to see why I'm here on this planet. Like all of us, all of us have been given talents and that's plural, not just one, talents. And we have to discover those talents and then figure out how to use those talents to serve. Like that's why we're here. Like there's no other reason we're not here to Agreed. collect as much money as we want or we're, that's not why we're here. We are here to figure out what our talent is and use those to serve. And I think that um, what I've come up with is that um, my way of serving is helping people to connect themselves to themselves. Because we're always out here, outside looking for, but when you connect inward, it's a whole nother kind of um, beauty that um, I'd like to help people experience. And genealogy is just one of those ways of doing that. <laughs> it's so amazing to me how people come to that conclusion that we are absolutely here to be of service and to utilize our talents. I actually came or came to found, find that out in my life through AA. 
So it's, it's interesting that, you know, it's just so fascinating to me how we kind of all come to these same conclusions. Um, beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I mean, I guess my sec my next question off of that is just the power of knowing where you come from. Um, are there any examples that you can give in, in your searching in your family history or of someone else's where um, that was kind of prevalent? Like you can see that the power of knowing where you come from made a change for you or for someone else. So yes, most definitely. Um, you had added to the other question like perspective, right? Yes. So how my perspective has changed. I think that kind of feeds into this question. Um, perspective wise, you know, when you study yourself, hopefully there's a change, right? And for me, um, genealogy and knowing more about who I am and where I, my place in time, my ancestors, that has helped me to feel a lot more grounded. Um, and that's what we all need. Like, I feel like I have as much right to be anywhere at any time, there's no one going to tell me where I belong because I know that my ancestors have done a lot to make whatever we have here what it is. My ancestors were builders. They've done things. They weren't like, you know, you won't find them as stars or, you know, they're not that famous person, but they were solid people. And that makes me, that, I, that carries down. They say that there's generational trauma that you take trauma from one generation and you bring that down, you also bring down that groundedness. And if we just all kind of reach out for that, wow, the power that has. I just love the way you speak. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I could just sit here and just hear these words all day. Um, in searching your own family, can you share some of that experience? Anything in particular shocking or moving? So yeah, um, there's so much to shocking and moving um, when you do genealogy. Um, for me, I'm like tell me everything. <laughs> I want to know it all. <laughs> for me, like I told you, my cousin used to go down and he would um, bring back these documents, like. You know, he couldn't bring them. He didn't have a cell phone. They didn't exist. He couldn't share it on a computer or anything. He physically brought these documents back and they were really big, like large pieces of paper that he had to go to the county courthouse to get. And one of those documents was a deed. And deeds are for the transfer of property. And the property that happened, this deed was from 1858. And the property happened to be my ancestors. And so, you know, it's, that is like a, for a researcher, it's just like a eureka moment when you find your people with their names and their cluster on that paper. And so it had listed my ancestor, Lucy, she was an infant. It had her siblings, it had their names, it had their ages, it had her mother, and it also had listed slaves for life. She was an infant. She was a slave for life. And not only her, not only her, her descendants, me, me, slave for life. That document wasn't just about her. It was about me too. Right. It was about the condition that they felt that I should have been in. And man, for life. Yeah. You have no way out for life. Right? It's incredible the stock that we come from. I mean, I don't, obviously, I don't know everyone in my history, but just knowing the general history, um, just that rich stock that we come from. I just did another episode about comedy. Mm -hmm. And um, one thing is that within like, African-American culture, we've just been through so much. We, 
one of my theories is why black doesn't crack is because we have the ability to really laugh through it and live through it because yeah. we've just seen so much and you know what you were saying about uh generational trauma um and passing that down do you think that we like can you kind of go a little more into that do you think that um there are things that we're still feeling right now from actual slavery most definitely um the same way because that's like you say people didn't talk about it right those stories did not pass down and so when you hold things back you're not dealing with it so that's generation after generation of not dealing with slavery and what that all meant and so um, what the what the specific impacts of that right now, you know, I'm not, you know, um, thinking about that. But yeah, there are people like I have a friend who um, told me he's a he's a politician and he told me about trying to help people by building up a basketball court that they that was torn down, was going to put lights on it, put bleachers around it. And they was like, that's not, we don't want that. And he was like, and I'm gonna put a fence over here. So if the ball, you know, bounces, it won't go out to the street and the kids won't run. Oh, you trying to fence in the black man. Because all they saw was a white man coming into their area and telling them what to, what they, what he's gonna do for them. And I asked them, I said, do you, can you think about how that might look? And so, there's a lot of things that because if it's not dealt with, it's going to still be there. So definitely there are things that we are still dealing with and it's all groups, you know, think about more recently the Holocaust and what the survivors and their children, that is, that's, that's almost, they still live with that today. Right. It's, it's so interesting. I mean, in the news right now we have, um, there's been several shootings, um, you know, just a lot of animosity. And while you would think that we've gotten further, it, it just seems like literally we're in the exact same space. And you're, you're speaking to that in that we have not dealt with a lot of these things. I mean, you can speak to somebody about slavery and it's almost like, well, get over it. <laughs> get over it. But I'm sure for you, you can actually see the historical, like the documents and the actual proof where it's like, no, these, these are systems that have been set up to be exactly like this. Mm -hmm. And not a lot of us get that opportunity to see these documents and be impacted mm -hmm. and see things like slave for life. Mm -hmm. um, like something is as small as, um, um, where they set up the, um, and we haven't talked about whether or not your show is evergreen or not, and if it's okay for me to bring up this current event, but something as simple as where they place the testing sites for um, COVID. Okay. The COVID testing sites on the waterfront. Well, where's the hotbed of all the people having COVID in East Camden? Put the freaking testing sites in East Camden. And they finally said, oh, let's go. So, there is a disconnect and whether that has something to do with slavery or not, really it's poverty and the people who aren't impoverished and the people who are here to, to take care of them, walk in their shoes and put in a policy that follows their journey. How are they getting downtown to the freaking waterfront? Right. You know what I mean? Right. Right. And I'm sure, um, you know, you're, you're talking about Camden. I'm sure that Camden is just an example of what's happening across the country. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it, it's, it's unfortunate. It just, um, it, like I said, it just feels like we haven't progressed as much as you would think that we should have or could have. Um, you know, the, the young man that was basically, I don't know if you saw the, the scenario, but it was the young man was basically trapped in between two cars and really lynched. And I'm sure you've seen documents. Actually, would you be able to speak to that? Have you seen any documents where um, there was like specific violence 
against um, African Americans or um, anything? Because I see a look on your face. Because you're actually bringing up what I was going, what I was actually going to speak on um, as far as two things, um, violence against African Americans, as well as how far we've come. Um, there is a collection of records called the Freeman's Bureau Records, and it is the largest collection of records that documents African Americans during Reconstruction. So that's right after the Civil War, 1865 to 1872, 76 to the, to the end. Um, and when those records came out, I was all over them. I was in that archives, looking at that microfilm, pulling records, trying to see all the different record types. And I gotta tell you, there was so, I did not sit down at that microfilm reader without tissues. And I didn't, I had to get up on a regular basis to go outside just to get some air because the amount of violence that people had to endure, it's unreal. It was unreal. People's children being taken. People, there was like this big thing about apprenticing. There was whole books of apprentice. You think apprentice, that sounds great. Teach my child uh, um, a skill so that they'll be able to go out in the world and be an owner in this new world as a free person. But it was abused. You know, these um, planters who used to be owners would take the children from the, go to the court and say, you know, put down Bessie May's five children because they're going to apprentice for me. And she, like, that. obviously you have no rights of, right. wow. So, yeah. So, and as far as how far we should have, we could have come, the whole time I was looking at that, I was thinking, you know, that's when we could have gotten it right. That was the, when, when black people were freed, um, that is when we could have gotten it right. And then a hundred years later, 1965, we are 60, we have the civil rights act, another chance a hundred years later where we could have gotten it right. And I think as far as when we come to how far we've come, I believe that at each time that we tick it up a little bit. I mean, we cannot allow these three years to erase the eight years that we had before. Right. We have very short-term memories right now. Think about it. The screamers are the ones that are always the ones that we hear because they're screaming the loudest, right? And so I have hope because I believe that there are so many good people out there um, we just have to figure out how to, you know, change the tide. And I believe that we're going to kind of hopefully not go too far to the other side, because that's what we do, uh, go too far to the other side, which is evidence of what we're doing right now. Maybe we can find a middle. Right, right. It, it's, uh, it is incredible. I mean, in just in learning about things like Black Wall Street and the attempts of the Black community to try to rebuild, segregate themselves, or try to establish certain things, and um, those establishments are destroyed. It's like you're you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. You try to work and operate within a system, and kumbaya, and be you know just try to make it work. So let me tell um, you about Lewis side. As far as the African American community, they're the only African American. See, you're the bomb. <laughs> you're the bomb. <laughs> see you forever <laughs> talk about a community wanting to stay together so they are this enclave of african americans together and at one time um this area was called um it was more township area and it was called center township and that included like magnolia belmar and you're Bandit, talking about south jersey yes in south jersey thank you and all those towns in that area and they were called center township and when they decided that each town was going to be their own thing, they wanted to just break Lawnside up. And Lawnside was like, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. You will not piece us up and break us up. And they insisted 
on being together. And there you can see in the newspapers, like everyone talks about Lawnside, about you know, there's this one track story about Lawnside. But when you look at the history of Lawnside, you see repeated um, um, struggles and victories of that town saying, we're going to stay together. And this is how we're going to handle things. They, when the influenza came through, they tried to, you know, treat them in a different way as if they were responsible. But as a community, African-Americans, a very strong African-American community, they said, no, this is how we're going to handle things. So there's always, wherever there's that negative thing, there's always that story of people who are saying, no, this is how we're going to live and you're not going to tell us. So, yeah. Based on your search, just in, in what you've seen and, and learned over the, the, you know, the course of time that you've been doing this, what do you think um, a successful model would look like? Have you seen within history where there, I mean, because just for me and my research, I'm, this is what I'm reading right now. Where do we go from here? Oh, okay. Martin Luther King. And what, what basically, in my interpretation, what begin happening is after civil rights it's like you know bills were passed and things like that but the enthusiasm of actually executing things and just it just didn't take it didn't go where where he thought that it would go when he realized that it's really economic um inequality that is like the next phase so just to to say in your experience of you know, research and things like that. What are your thoughts? What do you think is going to be the thing? Do you think separation? Or do you think kind of forging within the system? Just out of curiosity. You said so much for me. It's uh. <laughs> so one, I cannot say what a perfect community would be. I would say the perfect communities are the communities that I grew up in which was East Berlin and Longford. So those are examples of perfect communities. Um, but um, wow, there's so much there. So I would say that in a way, I beg to differ on where we've come. I would say that Martin Luther King and that civil rights era changed things, not just for African-Americans, but for everybody, anybody disadvantaged. Think about people in wheelchairs. Think about people who need a, need um, a something special in order for them to take part and be a full part of society. Think about where women have come. Of course, there's so many places that we need to go. Think about the damn, um, the little divot in the curb so the wheelchairs can get up. You know what I mean? We ain't have that kind of stuff. I'm not right. trying to say Martin. It's, his inclusion, his story, his, uh, his, his desire to allow everyone the opportunity to have a life, I think that that has changed not just for Black people, for all people, and not just for people in this country. Look around at how the Olympics used to look. We looked like everybody, like we had a little of everybody. And you could tell the other countries, they were monos, they all looked alike. But now, if you look at other countries, they look like us. Right. We are a mixture trying to figure out how to live together. That's huge. That's huge. That's what we, that's what our ancestors were a part of. That's what we're a part of. It is not an easy thing, but guess what? We showed that it can be done. It's not pretty, but each time we just got to, there's so much more to be done. I agree. And I try not to be a Pollyanna, but look at what we've accomplished. I am so freaking proud of what black people have done and fought for and what the people who have come and, and decided to help them to fight because we didn't do it by ourselves we gotta that's another thing we gotta realize us our little 10 percent we needed help doing this so stop i say that to people a lot i say that to people a lot because i find people getting frustrated with well-minded you know well-meaning people who because they don't have to confront something every day um it's just not there that click that little thing where they're just like oh that's still a thing like oh. <laughs> no but i i get it and you cannot do it alone you need a group 
like the the group that is supposedly oppressing you. You need a portion of those people to be on your side. And the majority of the people that they think are oppressing them are the people that are on their side. A lot of people, a lot of people really just don't know. They don't have opportunities to meet people like you who can say, no, there's a historical basis for this. This is not brand new. This has happened before. You know, the only thing that helped me with COVID is history. Listening to a historian who researched pandemics, and she said, you knew that you were getting a pandemic under control is when the hospitals could manage the intake. That was the first thing that helped me to take my temperature down because I said, okay, historically, we're moving in the right direction. Right. And look at New Jersey and New York. We are decreasing. We are decreasing. And yeah. I'm so proud of everybody because I'm so proud of everybody. I mean, yes, you're always going to have people that are going to do their own thing, but for the most part, I mean, people have really done almost the impossible. Like, <laughs> yes, be guess, proud. What? guess what? We've done it with technology that we've had for this isn't new stuff. For some reason, we've been forced to use technology. And, and guess what? If we would have used this technology the way that we're using now, by this time, we would have had stronger VR where we'd be able to actually walk into stores without being there. Don't, that's a whole nother show, girl. Don't even get me started. <laughs> Listen, do not get me started about that VR because people do not, they're sleeping on it. And that is going yet. to be everything i guarantee you every retail store that has money is beefing that up because people need the ability to have a better experience travel all of that yo you want to go on it you know don't you remember will i am beamed himself into cnn that was like over 20 that was at least it was an election period it was over a decade ago he beamed himself into cnn I'm ready for it. I'm ready for my hovercrafts. I'm ready for it, boo. <laughs> so, all right. Um, I want to search my history. I want to, you know, get started with learning. You've done a quick start, which yeah. is phenomenal. And we're going to share all that information. But just uh, what are some of the first steps? And tell me a little bit about the quick start that you created. All right. So I have a show, Genealogy Quick Start. You can go to it on YouTube. Just Google Genealogy Quick Start genealogyquickstart.com, YouTube, and Facebook. So a lot of people are taking DNA tests. They want to know their history. And they're not people who want to go and sit in dusty archives and, you know, hang out with those folks. They want to know it now. So I created a quick start. So if you look at my online quick start online, that's what I'm going to share with you. Basically, you want to think about 1940. Everybody um, has a line that they're interested in. So you want to think about 1940 in the line you're interested in. Who was living, where were they, and who was in the household? For me, that's my grandma Maggie. She was in Alabama, and she would have been with her father and her brother Harvey. And so I'm going to take that information. I'm going to go to the 1940 census records. And we know the census is taken every 10 years. So you can just ride those census records back every 10 years. So I go in 1940, I find her. And then I go to 1930 and I look for her again. And then in 1920, she's not living. So guess what? I have to look for her dad. So I just work my way back in time. And if you're African-American and you want to look for an enslaved ancestor, you want to at least give them back to 1870 and try to find out everything you can about them. You also want to look at vital records like birth, death, and marriage records. You want to look at census, birth, death, marriage. You want to just fill that in for your ancestors, their brothers and sisters, your aunts and uncles, get as much of that as you can. And that's how you get started with genealogy. You have to talk to people to get information. I call it, hey, grandma. You guys just say, hey, grandma. Yeah, yep. Who's your mom? Who's your dad? What was your mom's maiden name? So you got to do the, hey, grandma. And then you just ride those census records. Are there any disclaimers that you give people? Like, just to let you know, this process is going to be like this. Or, you know, anything that you're telling people just to be mindful of when they're starting the process? So in general, what your ancestor, who your ancestors are, and what your ancestors did is not you. 
people get real kind of like they had there's this shame thing oh i didn't even think of that yeah i want to actually do an episode on shame people have some shame about their per their identity themselves or the shame of their ancestors um things that they've done who they are so i would just say enjoy the process um and just learn about who you are learn about your journey um sometimes it's hard to find stuff don't get caught up in, oh, they didn't dock him. They forgot the black people. Or my courthouse burned down. Well, you know what? Your courthouse burned down, but there's other records, some other place for your people. Yeah. Just believe that it's out there, that you can, that there's something for you to find. If you don't know anything, take a DNA test. And that'll bull you. That'll let you know there's people that you're not a Martian, that there are people <laughs> out there that you're related to. You have a family. And that that's across any background, you know, these, this is information that everyone should really be diving into if they don't have someone in their family who's already done it. Um, so as you know, this Sunday is Mother's Day. Yay. Happy Mother's Day. Yes. Did you want to give a shout out to yeah, anybody? To my mom. My mom is a wonderful mom. My mom actually helped me to be a researcher. My mom said to question everything i think that she kind of wished she would have told me that when i was a little older because i questioned <laughs> everything go in your room why mom go do oh you were that kid yes <laughs> and so you know and understand where you're getting your information from so my mom is she is a fabulous mom i love you mom thank you for growing me to be a strong sister woman yes who i am um i appreciate that I yes, we that. all thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we I have to have a part two with you at some point. We got to get back together again. Um, this has been absolutely amazing. I'm going to share your links and, you know, places where people can find you. Is there anything else that you wanted to share with us or anything um, that you'd like to say before we uh, depart? Everyone needs to know who they are. If you don't want to know for yourself, learn for your children and your grandchildren. Everybody deserves to know who they are. That's how you become a whole person and a contributing positive member of society. Absolutely. Shamal, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This was so much fun. I appreciate the, the opportunity. Absolutely. And keep me abreast of any projects you have. Definitely would love to be a part. And let me know if I could look up something for you. Oh, yeah. No, I'm definitely wanting to start that process for sure. I need to make the phone call. Like you said, you know, just start calling. We've yeah. had a lot of deaths in my family. So mm -hmm. it's like hard kind of piecing things together. But this is super important. It is. Awesome. Well, you enjoy. Thank you. Be blessed. Well. That's the show for this week, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Every listen means so much to me. You have no idea. All of your participation, the comments that you send me, it really means the world to me. This is exactly why I do this show. Shamel, thank you so much for being a part of the show, and we will absolutely be having you back. That was fantastic. Make sure you do me a favor. If you haven't subscribed already, do that now. If you haven't told anyone about the show, do that as well. Guys, thank you so much again for listening. Be blessed. Thank you for listening to Spicy Pecan Podcast. This is a wonderful new media production.